There's a version of us that is inspired, free, awake, and energized. As we move through life and tackle its challenges, sometimes we lose sight of who we are, what we want, our value, and our joy. We get off course. What if I told you there was a different way? That by re-engaging in your life, you could find that light and energy again. This is a podcast for women like you who are ready to tune into and turn up the abilities, talents, gifts, and beauty that already exists within you. Here you will find validation, encouragement, and support to come out of isolation and live your most engaged life. Join me each week because it's about to get real. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am so happy to be back with you this week. I have been thinking about doing a little bit of an adjustment with the podcast, especially over the summer months. As you know, in my work, I am a professor. And so in the summers, I have a bit of a different schedule. I still certainly work in the summer, but just a little bit different um, level of flexibility. And so kind of thinking about how to manage the podcast and my work and really taking advantage of the weather, the little bit of freedom that we're having now with things beginning to reopen and just making sure that I'm continuing to connect with my loved ones and my family. And so my thought is that I may move the podcast to every other week just so that there's still that consistency, but also allowing a little bit, like I said, a little bit more head and heart space to do some of the other things that I, I feel like are also important to me as I have, like I said, a little bit of my break this summer. So that is what you can be looking forward to, I should say, throughout the rest of the summer. And then come fall, we'll resume with the weekly episodes, unless, you know, people prefer this, which is totally great too. So just wanted to give you a little update on what's going on in my world. All is well. And just like I said, just really grateful that things are beginning to open up. It feels like, I don't know. I remember this time last year, we could go for walks in our neighborhood, but where I live, we weren't really allowed to go like a mile from our homes. And so it just felt very prescriptive and rigid and now it's like, oh, things are a little bit more free again. You know, we're still obviously very cautious and, and very aware that COVID still exists, but also just really taking advantage of, of the, the things that have reemerged and, and the return in some ways to quote unquote normalcy. So yeah, I just, it's amazing what a difference a year makes, right? What a difference a year makes. Along that line though, along the lines of things opening up and, and being able to leave beyond the one mile radius of our homes, today's episode really emerged from my recent visit to the farm. And as you all know, if you've been here a while, you know that I was raised on a farm. Now, not a ranch, right? People are always like, oh, did you have horses? No. Did you have cows? No. Those are more ranches, right? But I was raised on a farm where we grew food when we continue to grow food. Um, and because of COVID, we and my family and I hadn't been able to really visit very much. We were obviously just being really aware of the fact that we didn't want our parents to get sick, especially during harvest. That would just be really devastating. And so um, we just were really cautious. And so we made sure that that we were doing what we could in our control to make sure that we kept our parents healthy and, and safe. So anyway, all that to say, we 
were able to travel to the farm for the recent 4th of July weekend. And my sister and her family joined us as well. And it was just an incredible visit um, at home. I still refer to the, to, to the farm being home, even though I've not been there in several years now. As I was there and and in the drive home, I, I just began reflecting on what I wanted to talk about this week. And, you know, I really came off of the episode about awe. And then again, like I said, then then just traveled to the farm and really found myself in awe at at and with my parents and the farm and the farm life. And it's not that it wasn't something that I'd ever not known or recognized in the past. Certainly I am I've always really appreciated and been very well aware of the work um, and the care and the passion and the creativity and all of the things that my parents have displayed since I can remember. So I've always been very, very aware of that. But this past visit, it just was with a new, like a newness and more clarity. And I think so much of what I share on this podcast is things that I'm just seeing maybe more more clearly, um, more brightly as a result of really implementing habits and practices that maintain my own self-keeping and wellness and really kind of in, in reflection response to my journey and burnout. So again, the idea, this isn't new information. This isn't a new experience that I had, but certainly I found a lot of awe and beauty in, in being there last weekend and just got to thinking. And so as I was driving home and kind of preparing for this episode, I asked my sisters, you know, what are some of the lessons that you learned from the farm? I thought that that might be, or this whole idea in this conversation, lessons we learned from the farm just ahead of harvest. So if you're not from a farm family or you're not aware of farm seasons, we are prepping, at least in my family, for the the start of our summer harvest. And it is summer harvest for us because we grow fresh produce in a climate where obviously summer is hot. It is, uh, we have four seasons where we are. And so summer is really the time when we can grow fresh food. Summer is harvest for us and harvest extends from about the end of July all the way through pumpkin season, which you can imagine wraps up on Halloween or October 31st. During this period of time, we're talking long days, early mornings, late nights. My parents work incredibly hard and we recently had a heat wave. And so my parents were out there in 110 degrees, working 12, 14 hour days, making sure that they were tending to the ground with great love and care um, in order to produce food for, for us, right? For our communities. Again, I was just struck by the beauty in that alone, right? That someone that people choose to put in so much dedication and effort and time into cultivating um, and growing food that sustains us because it's not easy. And I think it's often not appreciated, um, if I may say. So I'm going to have to be careful with myself because I may get a little bit into protective mode, which, you know, maybe... I don't have to be careful with that. I don't know, but yeah, I just, I hope that we walk away from this really recognizing the perspective of a farmer, also recognizing the work and effort that they put into creating food that nourishes our bodies, our families, our communities. And so I just thought I'd spend this week talking about that. Um, and again, talking about lessons learned from the farm 
this isn't something that's necessarily new to me, but I will say like, there were definitely years, especially in my childhood where it wasn't that I didn't love that it was, I was from a farm, but there were definitely challenges that emerged from being raised on a farm. And one of them, which seems so silly now, but I remember being a middle school, junior high student for that age group and kind of being whiny about the fact that, you know, we couldn't do anything during the summertime my friends might go camping or they might go to the lake or they might go to Disneyland or things like that. And summer wasn't a time for us to, to go out as a family because summertime meant work for us. And so I see the beauty differently now than I did when I was, you know, 13. So just know that there are moments when certainly I've come a long way in my own growth and and conceptualization of life as a farmer but there are some things that were just different when I was younger. So anyway, all of that to say this week, talking about lessons learned on the farm. Again, some of these things are things that my sisters brought to the forefront. My husband, who has been alongside the farm, gosh, 25 years now, and then my own examples and experiences. So here we go. I have about 10 things that we learned from the farm and I'm going to start with number one. And these aren't really in any specific order. They just were things that emerged. And so I listed them. So I'll say number one, but it's not because it's the most important or anything like that. So number one was that being on the farm, it was always really clear to us and us being like my sisters, my husband, it's always been abundantly clear that we are to be curious and we're to ask questions and approach things differently. And this was just the way my parents navigated life as farmers. As I think about this, you know, my dad started farming when he was in his teens. And so he's farmed for years and years and years. And then he was so blessed to find my mom who willingly accompanied him in this journey. Um, And I laugh because I'm like, my goodness, how lucky and how fortunate are they to have found each other. Um, anyway, my, my parents have always really encouraged this idea of thinking differently, thinking creatively, and to really be curious to ask those questions. And so, you know, some of the things that have, that we have seen being on the farm that really demonstrated this, because it wasn't just, um, that they would say these things, they always showed them within, with their actions. And so for me, it was, um, very, very clear that our parents were encouraging us to do these things, but they were also willing to do them themselves, which I found to be really, really important and, and really how I hope that I am, am living as a professor, but also as a mom and, and spouse. Because of this, my parents have tried many things. So they have been farmers for years and years and years but they've never just kind of settled on, I'm going to grow wheat. That's going to be my specialty, right? Which there's nothing wrong with wheat farmers. We absolutely need wheat. But this idea that there was always this curiosity of like, I wonder what it would be like to grow watermelon in our climate. I wonder what it would be like to grow spinach. I wonder what it would be like to grow romaine lettuce. I wonder what it would be like to grow eggplant. And there was always this idea of, I wonder what it would be like mentality that my parents did and continue to operate in the world. And it's not just related to farming. It's really related to other parts of life as well. But this idea that there's that curiosity, the wondering, the willingness to approach things differently. 
So when I was really little, my parents were dry crop farmers, which mean they grew like pinto beans and wheat and kind of more of the traditional things that you might consider in farming. And then they shifted to fresh produce. And my parents became the actual largest fresh produce farm in our state at that time. And, you know, again, was it easy? No, but there was this idea and this curiosity of, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if this is possible. There was lots of trial and error, of course. My parents tried different climates. They actually spent some time in Mexico farming, trying to extend their season and have their produce available for a longer window of time. Again, trying to having a local farmer bring products to customers and support and sustain them. They also tried different climates, different variety of of items that they grew. And so now their focus is primarily sweet corn, and pumpkins, which is super wonderful, super great. But again, we continue and they continue to be curious and try different varieties and different systems of of doing the work and trying to get most efficient and doing it in a way that is really environmentally and socially responsible, which I also really appreciate. So the first one, be curious, ask questions, approach things differently. Something that they really demonstrate and show us on a daily basis. The other thing that we learned from the farm is this need to be creative and innovative. It's kind of hard to capture without showing this piece, but I'll be the first to say that I I think that that my dad is especially brilliant in this area. He is incredibly creative and innovative. And, you know, I think sometimes this comes out of sometimes desperation sometimes resourcefulness, like, wow, we don't have a lot of options and I need this particular equipment, piece of equipment, and I don't have $100,000 or I'm not willing to spend $100,000 on this implement. So what could I do differently? How could I use what I have and create something that would work? And this has been done time and time and time again, where my dad will take pieces of old equipment, that maybe his father or his grandfather even used. He'll take scraps that people have either traded for or have given him or, you know, whatever. And he will take these items and create something that meets his need. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. We talk about like, this is like, now you have Lego sets where there's, you know, maybe 2000 Lego bricks. We're talking like a giant Lego set with no instructions and no real consistency and even like the pieces that you're using. And he'll create something that is useful. It's absolutely awe-inspiring. I mean, we talk about being at awe. I mean, it's it's amazing, right? So he in both of them, my mom's creative in her own ways. She's um, likes to make things more aesthetically pleasing. She's very, her attention to detail on, on that element is equally as important and different, right? Like they both have this creative and innovative eye for things in very different ways. And so again, it's uh, something that has been instilled in us is that you get creative and you innovate and you don't complain when you don't have the ability to just go out and purchase something, or you don't have the ability to get something that someone else has, you take what you have and you might repurpose it, reinvent it, dream up something new, and you put it together. Pretty amazing. So the next part 
that my parents and that the farm has taught us um, is that we assume positive intent. One of the examples that really just sticks out into my mind where their actions spoke volumes was, again, where since we're fresh produce farmers, in the very, very beginning of that, my parents decided to start a produce stand, which again, back when they started, it was one of the few produce stands in our area. Like this was kind of a new thing. When we had started it, my parents were like, well, who's going to be the person that's running this place? Like I can't, I need to be on the tractor. Mom needs to be on the other tractor. Who's going to run it. Right. And so instead of doing it kind of what you might consider the traditional way of hiring someone to run the stand. My parents had their produce out, their sweet corn, um, primarily in the beginning. And then they just had a coffee can. And they said, you know, whatever the price was, probably four years for a dollar or something, put your money in the can, make change if you need change. And they did this every single day, all season long. And I remember when, when they did that, Um, Some people were like, what? You're like, that's crazy. You trust people to do that? My parents were like, yeah, like, why, why not? Right. We want to provide this opportunity for people and we can't physically be there to take their dollar each transaction. So we'll put out a coffee can and you know what? It worked. It worked. I actually can't think of a time that my parents I mean, maybe there was a time when the can was taken, but I don't recall. And they did that for several years until we actually um, established a larger produce stand near the farm. But this idea that most people are good, most people will be honest, most people will drop their dollar and if they need change, they'll make change and they'll take what they need. And along with this, even though, like I said, I, I don't ever recall the coffee can being stolen or taken or that emptied. But when my parents were in situations where maybe they were mistreated or taken advantage of, because boy, oh boy, that has happened too. What I also noticed about them is that they let it go. So this lesson from the farm is to assume positive intent. And if someone, for lack of better words, screws you over, you know, let it go. Don't, don't hold a grudge. And that was something that was really instilled in us. And back then, again, when I was younger, I told you earlier that I've learned a lot in my, my days since my, in my younger days on the farm, you know, when I was in 13, 14, 15 years old, I was hugely protective of the farm. And so I had a really hard time letting it go because I couldn't stand to see my parents who I knew were so lovely and so kind and so giving, I could not stand to see them taken advantage of. But there was this constant kind of, I don't want to call it tension. Tension feels too big, but this idea that I would be want, I would want to be so protective. And my parents were like, just let it go. Just let it go. So that's something I've been trying to do. Not that I think that anyone should take advantage of me or walk over me or anything like that. But what I found was that my parents were able to release some of these things and move forward where I was kind of just stuck and feeling bitter and resentful. So this is definitely something that I have seen them do and I try to do better, right? I try to do differently. It doesn't mean that I'm a doormat or that my parents are doormats or anything like that. But this idea that really assume positive intent, most people are good. The next lesson from the farm 
is this idea or the importance of being solution-oriented, which is so great because it really aligns with my work in counselor education, right? I I try and be solution-focused and perhaps it actually originated from being from a farm. (laughs) And it wasn't really until I was putting this podcast together, this episode together that I made that connection, which I know seems bizarre, but my, one of my sisters had said, you know, we learned to be solution-oriented from the farm. I'm like, oh my goodness, you are so right. So I I like to call this particular lesson uh, being solution oriented, this idea that it's, we kind of go to MacGyver mode, like we can fix anything. Everything is figure outable, which by the way, was a term that we used before that new book came out. Everything is figure outable, right? Like it just is. Let's find a solution and move forward. We didn't have time on the farm really to become problem saturated. Like we had to figure it out and move forward because if you didn't move forward, then your crop was going to die in the field, right? If you didn't move forward, then you were going to miss your window of opportunity to get water, water to actually hydrate your crops, right? If we didn't move forward, then our deliveries wouldn't be made and our customers wouldn't receive their produce at the time that they were guaranteed right? So we didn't have a lot of time to just sit in a problem and become problem saturated. It also kind of spills over to my next point, which is don't sweat the small stuff. And because these two go a bit hand in hand, but this idea again, that there's always a solution, like we can figure this out. So there were several times that I witnessed my parents figure things out. And when I say that we figure things out or that they're solution oriented, it doesn't mean that there aren't big emotions, right? It doesn't mean that we're like, oh my gosh, wonderful. That is the worst thing that could happen. And it's so great, right? Like it's not Pollyanna-ish or it's not toxic positivity or anything like that. It's this idea that, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? Right. And like I said, sometimes there are still big emotions attached and and that is okay. And certainly ever present still on the farm, right? Like there are days when it's stressful. There are days when it's hard. Um, There are days when our emotional regulation isn't super intact. And the idea of figuring things out, solving the problem is, is something that holds true that, like I said, that I experienced frequently and, and continue to experience frequently with my parents. And so on the farm, there's just a couple of examples that come to mind. So one of the examples um, that I can think of is, you know, so my parents grow their fresh produce and they have, they, they give their, or sell their, their products to local grocers. We're talking like pallets and pallets and pallets of produce. Um, And so they had a whole semi full, which like a big 18 wheeler and trailer full of fresh corn. Well, when you take a load of corn to a warehouse, to a grocer, they will check the temperature. On this particular day, the corn had been picked, had been boxed, had been put on, you know, this, the pallets onto this truck to take to this particular grocer. When the truck corn arrived to the warehouse, it was too warm. It was too warm. Okay. So we're talking fresh produce that was picked 90 plus degree weather, loaded up, hauled, taken, rejected. Well, in that moment, you essentially just lost those sales, right? Like the warehouse says, sorry, it's one degree too warm. We won't take the load. Okay. Well, in that moment, I could be really pissed, right? Which I'm sure my parents were kind of annoyed by, right? Like, yeah, this is not cool. 
But then what? So then my parents start hustling and they find someone to take the load of corn. It wasn't that the produce was bad. It was just, it happened to be one or two degrees warmer than what the warehouse allowed. So again, solution oriented, we could have panicked. We could have been upset. We could have, you know, throw our arms, thrown our arms up in the air. We could have complained. We could have all of the things, but the reality was, is we had this fresh produce that had a timeline. And had we spent a lot of time in problem saturation that day, we really would have lost a load. But instead my parents moved into action solution focus and found a, found a solution. Again, everything is figure outable. There was another time when the, I can't remember. I was trying to figure out, look it up, but I could not find it. But the day there was that big eclipse that it was like one of those things that was like once in, you know, a hundred years or something. Anyway, it was a few years ago and my parents, they will hire a crew to come and do harvest um, because it's not possible for the two of them to to pick everything that is necessary, right? They do much of the things by themselves, but they need they need some help when it comes to the actual harvesting. So anyway, they arrived to corn harvest that morning. Well, much of the crew didn't arrive. They didn't show up and they didn't give notice. Well, that's problematic, right? Because you have the this number of sales that you need to pick for. And it's not like my parents pick and then hold to their stuff in a warehouse that kind of then makes it not fresh produce, right? And so my parents take the orders or my mom takes the orders actually, and then they harvest and then they immediately go to the grocer. That's kind of the, the way that they operate. Well, that, that morning the crew didn't arrive. Now, again, my parents could have freaked out. My dad probably was a little bit stressed. I have no doubt that he was maybe dysregulated for a little bit, but the idea being that you can't sit in that for long right? Like you had to harvest, you had to pick the number of of boxes required for that day because you had already promised your customers that their fresh produce would arrive. Well, the other end of that story is that when the crew arrived and came back to work the following day, my parents were like, what? Well, it turned out that much of our crew had some superstitions around the idea of the eclipse. And so they were actually terrified to be working on that day. It just was one of those situations, those lessons like, okay, what do we expect? How, you know, how can we communicate this differently, but also recognize that humans have different lenses and histories and experiences and beliefs that may also interfere, impact the work. It was just really fascinating. So again, a moment when we could have said, oh my goodness, freaked out, froze even, but how do you figure it out? How do you move past it? How do you find a solution? There are so many other stories. Another one was uh, we had one of our semis rolled in the middle of the busiest intersection in town. Literally the truck driver laid the truck on its side and it was the truck driver's fault. It was speeding. Again, was my dad And my mom, a little bit elevated. Sure. I think one of them out of concern, right? Like, oh my goodness, is, is the driver safe? Did anyone else get hurt? Certainly the number one concern and then figuring it out. What do we do next? What do we do next? We have this truck laying down in the middle of the intersection. The truck wasn't just out for a joy ride. Like there was a reason this truck was out. It was probably because it was hauling. (laughs) So then what do we do? right? Because now we're down a truck. And then the last example I'll share is that, you know, we had an employee who decided that it would be a good idea to burn pallets and debris and other things um, during a windstorm. (laughs) And so 
you can imagine what happened. The employee lit the stuff on fire when guests came and ended up lighting a whole bunch of the backside of the farm on fire. So there's that, right? Again, if we sat too much in problem, the issue would have perhaps gotten larger, but instead moving into solution focused, how do we figure this out? And this, I think, is one of those things that I continue to work to live every day. Something that I try to instill in my children. And it's something that I try to instill in my students. But this idea that we can figure things out. We can figure things out. And again, it doesn't mean that it's in the absence of big feelings because big feelings are okay and big feelings are good and big feelings are healthy. And we have to be able to acknowledge those big feelings and then maybe even put them aside for a second while we move forward, while we figure it out, while we problem solve. And so everything is figure outable. Things are figure outable. So along with this, like I said, beyond being solution focused, beyond everything being figure outable is this idea of grit and resilience. My parents are gritty. They are incredibly gritty. And if the other examples and, and the notes that I've mentioned so far don't convince you of that, Farmers have to be gritty. There's so many things outside of the span of their control. You think about weather, right? You think about droughts. You think about the idea that there was just this massive heat wave. They couldn't have predicted it necessarily. They couldn't have changed it, right? They can't control when big weather comes. They can't control when infestations come. It's so wild. There'll be years where just random pests will completely take over a field, right? They don't have control over that. They don't have control if birds decide to go pick in your, your fields or deer. My parents have had deer go through and, and you know help themselves to the buffet, right? There's so many things outside of their control. And so they've got, had to get really good at being gritty and being resilient because a lot of those things are not out within their control. So a couple of specific examples of this was a few years ago, my dad um, fell out of a truck and landed on his head and had a severe traumatic brain injury. In that moment, we could have quit, right? Like the farm could have quit. My mom could have said, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. But man, especially my mom in that moment, she was incredibly gritty because a lot of things fell, fell to her as a result, right? My dad had to take a break even though he wasn't very good at that. He jumped back into the tractor later, uh, actually the next day, which is a whole other thing. But, you know, they had to get really, really gritty in that moment because um, it was the start of harvest. They had a couple of months, several weeks left. Um, customers were relying on them. They had to figure it out, right? Was it easy? Heck no. Heck no, it was probably one of the most challenging seasons for a number of reasons, but to have um, my mom's main partner in a space where, where he was not able to function typically and help typically and, and, and do his part, it's pretty significant. The other example of being gritty and resilient was that, um, uh, and things again, outside of your control, was that recently my parents had a corn crop that failed. And what this means is you plant the corn, you tend the corn, you water the corn, you do all of the things, and then it doesn't produce, it doesn't yield anything to sell. And come to find out that the seed was bad, the seed was actually infested, and so it was not going to grow. 
that takes a lot of resilience and grit to continue to push through. Because then you imagine the conversations that had to come after that with your customers who were planning on your product. And so now your grocer, your customer, doesn't have the product to sell in their store. And so being able to support, to facilitate, to navigate those difficult situations with grace, with humility, with patience, so important. So being really gritty and resilient in those moments, so important. And so when I think about being, you know, growing up and learning on the farm to be solution oriented, to recognize that things are figure outable, to be gritty and resilient, it also taught us to not sweat the small stuff, not sweat the small stuff. Like certain things just weren't important to us on the farm. And again, this is a particular (laughs) example that when I was a kid, I had a hard time seeing it this way. Like I sweat everything, (laughs) no matter how small I would panic. I would freak out. I would all of the things, but after seeing my parents navigate these and not sweat the small stuff and really demonstrate that some of these things, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Pretty incredible to watch. And so again, something that I continue to work on, I work to not panic, to not sweat the small stuff. To remember that most things are that things are figure outable, to recognize our strength in those moments, even when it's hard, really important, really beautiful to watch. And I think this like actually comes, you know, this is where it I know I've mentioned on other episodes is that I'm really not into tornadoing. And tornadoing being that we panic or we get so dysregulated or worked up that we are kind of like this big emotional tornado. And you know, as like a tornado does, and it swoops up everything in, in its um, in its reach. And so then now I'm tornadoing, but now I've invited everybody else into my, my tornado and now we're all tornadoing. And then at the end of the tornado, we're just exhausted, but we actually haven't found a solution. I think this experience on the farm, the lessons that I learned on the farm have really contributed to that. And this idea, I mean, like, I just don't, I might even use the word tolerate. Like I just don't tolerate tornadoing. I just don't. Like I've seen things happen on the farm and it's like, okay, we persevered. We overcame. We figured it out. We can figure this out too. We can figure it out too. That has been a huge lesson for me. Again, something that I had to work to develop. Am I perfect at it? Heck no. There are things that are more difficult for me than others. But something I really try to do and something I really admire about my parents and about the farm. The next lesson learned from the farm is this idea of gratitude and prayer. And I know I've talked about gratitude a lot on the podcast. Um, haven't talked much about prayer. Um, and for you, that could be meditation. It could be stillness. It could be quiet. It could be, you know, any form of spirituality that fits for you or not. But on the farm, there's uh, a lot of space for gratitude and there's a lot of time spent in prayer. And my parents are people who consistently say a rosary. So if you're Catholic, you know the rosary. And in fact, on my nightstand, I have a rosary that my dad had kept in his pocket for a year. And he said the rosary every single day. And then he gifted that rosary to me for Christmas one year. And it's just one of those possessions or those possessions and items feels too small, but it's just something that I really cherish because I know the importance of that for my dad. And so for me, Witnessing and again and watching my parents demonstrate this gratitude, practice prayer for them and that dedication 
again, just the importance of that and seeing the impact that those habits have had on their lives. Um, again, I think has just been really meaningful to me. And I think has also contributed to their ability to manage some of the hard things. I think I would probably lump reflection into that too, in, in some way. And, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. So the next lesson learned on the farm is to always lend a, a helping hand and expect nothing in return. My parents love this. <laughs> the farm, this has been a huge lesson on the farm. And, you know, sometimes I'd get irritated because I'm like, I just, again, in my protector mode, especially in my teens, I just, I didn't want my parents to ever be taken advantage of, but they didn't see it that way. They felt like I have this skill. I have this tool, this implement, I have this ability, I have this talent, I have this time, and I'm going to give it freely without expectation. And it took me a while to really recognize that they really believe that, that they, you should give something without expecting something in return. Really incredible. And I think that really kind of falls in line with maybe traditional farmers, traditional farming. Like I think, you know, my, my dad would often talk about the way things used to be, um, especially when he was younger and the way farmers kind of band together and support each other. And so I think that's something that he experienced as a child growing up in a farm family, but also maybe he received in some way. This is just the way they choose to do business. So we will help you without expectation. I think about even this past weekend when we were there for the 4th of July, we snuck away. I say it like that because I'm, like I said before, summer is not a time that you get to sneak away to go really do anything fun, quote unquote fun. But we snuck away to the mountains for a quick, a quick picnic, which was so much fun. And when we came back, we were going to have a barbecue and do some fireworks and, you know, just um, celebrate. Cause again, we were all together and in town. Well, we, on the way home, dropped my dad off at the field because of course there was still work to be done on the 4th of July. And he actually spent some time plowing or tilling one of the older gentleman's fields right near one of the fields they were actually using. Well, this man had wanted his, um, his field tended to because he was really concerned that uh, that a firework would come and light it on fire essentially because there were so many dried weeds and so my dad because this is what he does is he made sure that his his ground was dissed so that um there was less a chance that it would start on fire right um and so just this idea that again there was no expectation there was no money exchange there was no anything that my dad knew that okay i have the implement i have you know, I can do this quickly for this person. And he just does it so freely. And both of my parents are like that. I mean, it's just really incredible. So again, um, a lesson learned from the farm is always lend a helping hand and expect nothing in return. The next one is this idea that uh, we learn on the farm that physical activity is important. And my sister actually mentioned this one. And I just kind of laughed because <laughs> holy cow, like I just invite you find one of your local farmers and go shadow them for two hours or ask if you can like work alongside them. Your, if you're wearing an Apple watch, your Apple watch rings will close so quickly. Um, <laughs> I mean, after working on the farm, all of us slept so well, we were exhausted. And my oldest son, Max, he, uh, you know, the kids these days talk about things being quote unquote, built different or people are built different, which I know 
is not proper grammar, but um, that's kind of the phrase right now for people who are tough or strong or, you know, like beyond, if you will. And so he often tells us that Papa and Mama are built different and it's a huge compliment to them. And I think part of this is like to see my parents and farmers at this age in this heat working like they do, you have to be quote unquote built different. It's incredible the amount of physical exertion that they put in each day. And, you know, I really think there's something to it as we were working um, and helping my, my parents, the, um, well, while we were home, one of the fields that they're currently farming, there is a, I don't know, an, an older gentleman, um, who he, he works the fields I and mean, like he works for the company that actually owns the property. But anyways, he's on his four wheeler and, and, you know, he's, he's an older man, but every single day. My parents say he gets up and he's checking his water and he's doing his rounds and he is out there every single day. And while we were there, gosh, we were there, I don't know, a number of hours. He stopped and asked if he could help us with anything a number of times, maybe like two or three times, which, you know, this idea that that physical activity that comes with being a part of a farm. I just, I think there's something to that. I think it's good for us, obviously physically, but also just mentally, emotionally. And man, it feels so good to, to work your body that way. Now, I don't say that I want to do that every single day, but I can see my parents' point um, when they talk about you know, how good it feels to be out and be physical like that. And I, and, you know, I hope it's, it um, contributes to a long life for them. Okay. So physical activity is important. The next lesson learned is this idea of loyalty and customer service. My parents, what we learned from the farm is that this is something that's really important to them. So like I mentioned before, when, when we first started or my parents first started farming, it was a certain type of crop. And then they shifted into the fresh produce business and they started with a a major grocery chain back then. And they've been with that customer for over 30 years now. That speaks a lot to my parents and the way that they operate the farm. Um, There's incredible loyalty to their customers and they're really focused on providing great service to their customers. And I think that that, again, is something that's something that we have developed and learned um, as sisters, as daughters, just the importance of the loyalty, but also the way in which we treat other people, whether they are our customers, whether they are just people we interact with daily, like there's just this deep care and concern for other people. And I think just kind of this umbrella of kindness, there's this goodness, we will take care of you. We will work hard for you. Again, that's just something that we've really learned. And I think sometimes it's hard um, now because I see the effort that my parents put into customer service. And then it makes it difficult when I don't experience good customer service. (laughs) Just like, dang it, my parents ruined us. Because again, that's something that they have put so much value and and weight um, in terms of, of their work. So treating others well is really, really important. The next part that we've learned from, from lessons, a lesson from the farm is the ability and importance to follow your passion. My parents, and, and I'll say, you know, it was my dad. Farming is my dad's passion. My mom has come alongside him in that passion. My dad was fortunate to find his passion early on. And even though days are hard and even though things don't go 100% as planned like ever, like ever. <laughs> and the work is hard and and all of the things like there is no greater joy for my dad than farming. 
absolutely no greater joy. Like, I mean, I, I guess he likes us girls and, and he likes his grandkids and stuff, but I would say that, that in terms of his life's work, farming is his passion. And so to be able to observe someone living their passion is really remarkable and beautiful to watch. And so I think the lesson from the farm in this is just recognizing that it's possible and recognizing that dis- despite the naysayers, despite the challenges, despite you know the 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 missteps, beside this, despite you know unforeseeable circumstances and situations, you can still live your passion and and live it well. And I feel like that's a rare thing. And again, I feel like my dad is really fortunate in this. But I'm telling you, it's possible because I see it. I see it. So lesson from the farm is that it is possible to live your passion and it is possible to live your passion with joy. Really, really incredible. The last lesson from the farm that I'll share that we talked about is that it's important to take time to reflect, to think, and to dream. This is something that happens on the daily at the farm. And, you know, my parents, they've adjusted their schedules now. They don't necessarily get out at 4 a.m. in the morning, but it's not that the time in the morning is like spent sleeping in. Although, you know, gosh, please, we would invite them to sleep in. Like, it's actually okay if you want to sleep in an extra hour, please, please. But it's not that they're just like sleeping in and catching up on Netflix. In the mornings, that's when they have kind of like their their daily standup, if you will. Like they check in with each other. They plan for the day. But then like my dad, for example, he'll spend time just staring, staring out the window, dreaming. He'll have his notepad and he's drawing and jotting ideas. My mom is flipping through the seed catalog, imagining what new pumpkin varieties would look cool together, right? Like what would be the next variations or combinations of pumpkins that would look really cool for Joanna Gaines, right? Like that's her thing. Like aesthetically, what, what would be really great? What would be the next, the next new thing? What, what can we do differently? Right? So they spend time together, dreaming, imagining, talking, reflecting. And I think there's something again to that. They have their coffee or their barley tea. My dad's really into barley tea and they spend time together doing that. And I just think about like, gosh, what would it be like if I began to implement that practice? Now, people will often say, I don't have time for that, right? Like we've talked about that before. I don't have time for meditation. I don't have time to do a gratitude list. I don't have time to exercise in the morning. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to do a whatever. Well, you know what? My parents don't have time either. Like they literally don't. There are days when they're out there for 14 hours a day trying to do all of the things. They don't have an abundance of time either. They choose to make time. And like I was talking about last week, they choose to linger. They choose to take space. And again, I think there's something to that. They start every single day with that practice and then they get to work. And I wonder what that would be like for me to implement that. What if I got up for 30 or 45 minutes ahead of my day and I just reflected or I just stared or I just imagined or I just dreamed, right? I think, again, I think there's something to that. So lesson from the farm, I'm not implementing this yet, but I notice it and I see how beneficial it is. And I'm wondering now thinking about, okay, how might I implement something like that into my day? What kind of difference would it make? So there you have it. Lessons we've learned from our farm, from the farmers on our farm, our parents, from the wisdom of the farm. 
really incredible, really incredible. And that of course goes beyond saying by that just the work is hard. And so I share this for, like I said, many reasons at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about the idea that there was just a newness, a freshness in the way I viewed the experience this last weekend. There was a different level of appreciation and awe that I experienced as I witnessed and observed and was with my parents and on the farm. You know, obviously all of us grew up, you know, like we didn't, we weren't born at at 40. We weren't born at 62. Like we had these lived experiences. We had these histories and we have people who were played a significant role in our lives, whether that was a parent, whether that was a foster parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, someone who impacted you in some way. And and certainly our, our lived experiences impact the way in which we view the world, the way in which we operate within the world. And I think there's sometimes things that we can recognize from our past that like might help us to explain some of the things that we do, or, or um, I think like for me in the situation, really honoring, just really honoring some of the the lessons and the goodness that emerged from our own lived experience, being from a farm and being raised by farmers. So I hope that as you head into this week, as you hit your grocery store, I invite you to just take a minute to either audibly or just in your head and heart, maybe thank a farmer. Thank them for the work that they do. Thank them for their willingness to show up every day to support us, to feed us, to fuel and nourish us. Thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to hearing your feedback from this episode. And I look forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Ladies, thank you so much for listening today. I want you to thrive and live a more joyful life. Remember, you can always find out more about the episodes and our guests by visiting our website at thatgreendress.com and going under the podcast show notes. Remember also to follow me at Instagram at thatgreendress. And if you're interested in a Facebook group where other women like you continue to do the work, join us over on Facebook as well. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave me a review. It really does help other women like you find our podcast. And I'd love it if you share with a friend. So remember every Tuesday, we'll be here wherever you find your podcast. Have a delightful day.